As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Well, Jordan, the off-season is not here yet. Uh, a very tough-fought Rams victory over Seattle in the wildcard round. They move on to face either Green Bay or Tampa Bay, those being the only two bays available. Uh, And we don't yet know as we're recording this uh, who they will face. But uh, Jordan, I think we got what we expected out of this Rams-Seahawks game, right? I mean, it was a hard-fought game, some really good defense. I think we got a few surprises. The Rams picked up a couple scary injuries. Uh, There's a lot to talk about here. Where should we begin? Uh, Let's start with injuries because I know everyone is – is concerned about those. And for those who are listening right now, we're recording this before Sean McVay does his 5.30 p.m. press conference. They they wanted to go late because they wanted a reaction from the results of the, the Saints game to see which opponent the Rams would actually be facing. As, as Rich mentioned, it's one of two bays, um, both old, <laughs> old bays. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I have issues. Um, so, <laughs> okay, so um, so we don't, if there's an, an official update on ruling, make sure you guys are keeping it locked in on my Twitter feed at Jordan Rodriguez at Rich underscore Hammond um, for Rich's Twitter feed, because we'll have updates um, even further than this. Um, but but so far, we have a pretty conclusive perspective on what happened. So as, as you guys know, um, first and foremost, Aaron Donald left the second half. He had a rib injury. He didn't come back in, but I am told that he could have if he was absolutely needed and he wanted to come back in. And so they're they're pretty optimistic that it's not something like a break in the rib cage. Um, it would instead be something like we saw Cam Akers suffer earlier in the year in terms of the cartilage, perhaps. And we'll get a better understanding of what it is, but it's not he's not gonna be completely ruled out for this upcoming game, whichever um opponent that they do face. And I think that's really optimistic. And then Cooper Cup 
appears to have avoided major injury. Um, he, he left the game with an apparent knee injury in the, uh, late in the game. And I was told that he, the team is super relieved and optimistic about his prognosis so far and going to continue to evaluate him. But it doesn't sound like either of those two will really be um, major, major issues when it comes to by the time they they have to play their next opponent, or this is a situation where if this was regular season, maybe they'd rest a little bit more, or maybe they'd rest for a week, um, particularly if it were a non-conference opponent or something. But this is the playoffs, so they're going to do whatever they can to be ready to go. And did not hear anything of of real concern for Cam Akers, who um, may or may not have suffered an injury, may have been pulled just because of the, the, the workload and coming off that high ankle sprain. So we'll hear more about that as well. Um, have not heard an update on David Edwards yet, but I thought that um, you know the, the offensive line played really, really well despite having a little bit of shuffling. And John Walford posted on his Instagram page today that he is okay. So he and Jared Goff, and we'll get to this situation um, as we go down the podcast, but he and Jared Goff both obviously hurt. Um, John Walford suffered a neck injury and had to go to the hospital. He got uh, hit by Jamal Adams in the head and neck area and was kind of in a scary moment where we saw photos of him being taken to the hospital for emergency testing. My understanding of that was that they were – not completely clear on the nature of the injury and wanted to rule out any of the really serious sort of neck spine stuff. So they took him to the hospital as a precaution. He was able to come back and celebrate with teammates by the end of the game. And Jared Goff tells us that his thumb is fine. He is not in pain. (laughs) There is swelling because he, quote, unquote, had surgery 12 days ago and has screws in his thumb. There's three pins put in his, the base of his thumb. So that's why you saw those really gnarly close-ups of the thumb swelling as he sort of was really gutsy to, to get through that game. And But he says he is back to nearly full functionality, and um, the thumb is not going to be an excuse and was not ever an excuse um, as we kind of continue through the week. There's something going on with Jared Goff's thumb? I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> heard. Is that – are we breaking this news? I haven't heard anybody uh, discussing it. Uh yeah, Jordan, it, uh, all of that, I, I think, is really a best-case scenario. I mean, watching that game, it was just kind of one after the other with these guys going out, and you just thought, oh, my goodness, this team is just going to get decimated. I'll tell you, the one that worried me the most was Cooper Cup um, because it, it looked like he – it was hard to see with the and, – and again, I think it's worth reminding folks that – Unfortunately, we aren't able to go to these games. Um, so the things that you might be able to see that you definitely would see uh, if Jordan was sitting in the press box or if we were able to watch these games from from li- uh, live vantage point, can't really see. Can't really see what's going on on the field. Uh, can't really see who's getting treatment or where they're getting treatment. So it's a little more difficult than in normal times. I, I know that's frustrating for people, especially people who asked about cam makers and things like that. Well, you know, we're really kind of beholden to A, the, the television cameras and be whatever information the team decides to put out. Um, so it's, it's a little bit harder to come by some of these kind of real-time updates uh, that you might have. But Cooper Cup, I just, Jordan, it, it concerned me so much, especially knowing his history with that, yeah. with that knee. Uh, it didn't look like there was any contact, and, and he looked to, to be in somewhat distress uh, on the on the bench when they were uh, Dr. Eltraj was was looking at his knee there he, he was kind of grimacing and I thought oh no you know just again we don't we don't cheer for the Rams but it's just you don't you don't want to see that happen to anybody 
And then knowing what Cooper Cup had to go through a couple of years ago when he wasn't able to make that Super Bowl run, um, I have to say I was I was, I was happy to to hear that that hopefully it's not a serious thing for him. Aaron Donald, I don't look they'll 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 do whatever <laughs> they need to do. Aaron Donald's going to play. I'd be shocked if he did not play in in the game, whatever it ends up being next week. Especially when you hear that it doesn't look like there's any uh, fractures or, or anything like that. So. Uh, then, and then of course there's the quarterback situation, which I, I think people, we might as well say it up front, Jordan, before we get into whatever we want to say about it. We're not going to hear the answer this week, just as we didn't hear the answer, uh, last week. I'd, I'd be shocked if Sean McVay came out with any type of definitive statement and said, you know, this is, this is going to be our quarterback for the, for the divisional round. I expect that they'll, they'll play it exactly the way that they played it, uh, uh last week. And I know we both have, have some thoughts on that. Uh, but Jordan, this this game was uh, it, it for me. It was pretty much what I expected. Maybe a little bit higher scoring. I, I think we were both kind of in that range of, uh, you know, that, that the winning team would have about twenty or twenty three points, and the losing team would have you know fourteen, seventeen. So maybe a little bit higher scoring. But for to me, it, it lived up to the hype, and and it lived up to to pretty much every Rams Seahawks game uh, that that we've seen recently. This was one of the better games in terms of you could really feel the emotions of it in pretty much every phase, um, even kicking, which I would love to get to at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Um, and you could really feel the emotions of it in each and every phase. And it was such a emotional game. I, I think a pleasant surprise for me was I did not expect them to get to 30 points. And obviously there was an assist by the defense, a fantastic pick six by Darius Williams that I'd love to break down um, as we kind of move through our, our progressions of this podcast. But, um, but, you know, I really was pleasantly surprised, not just um, of the way that they ran the ball, um, the way that they blocked for Cam Akers with his just outstanding and historic game that he had and, and, and the way that they were able to finish red zone drives, the way that they scored on defense, the way that they were completely accurate when they needed to kick field goals. And um, against such sort of, I hate the word adversity when it per pertains to sort of very generalized items in football, but really right. some in-game adversity and some really a roller coaster of a set of circumstances, you know, the, the hit to John Walford, I remember slacking you about this rich in the moment where I was like, holy crap, these guys are so mad that that happened. You can tell they come back. Aaron Donald has, um, makes two negative plays. Um, you know, it's, there's Morgan Fox comes in and makes a negative play. Leonard Ford, L Leonard Floyd, just completely eats Russell Wilson alive. Like the, the secondary is covering downfield as well as they have all season, if not better. Um, they're, they're just, they were furious. And, and I think part <laughs> of that, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm editorializing a little bit, but I think that's part of being a beat writer is you sort of start to feel the vibe of people and you get your finger on the pulse of just why and what little details these guys, why they respect John Walford the way that they do. And one of them was, about in a piece that I wrote about John Walford and how he runs the scout team. Well, this defense is so appreciative and so attentive to the details in which John Walford has run that scout team 
all year. They know him really well at this point. They see him in several periods of practice every single week. And it's not always the case for a backup quarterback. Sometimes it's a third string quarterback who's running scout or, you know, it's the circumstances. But John Walford wanted to take all of those reps. And so all year while also trying to prepare in first team reps as much as he could. And I think there there was such a respect level there and the the way that sort of he was hit too, which, um, you know, there's an argument about and, and debates about. I'm not going to get into that stuff. We'll see what the league decides on the hit. Um, next, probably next Saturday was when fines will be issued if Jamal Adams gets fined for that. But it, it just really was a moment that you could just tell they were like, oh, hell no. You know, and so, and, but, but, but it wasn't just that they were going to be mad. And I wrote this in my column, The Pile, which I hope you guys check out over on theathletic.com. They were good and mad. Like they, they were smart and mad. They didn't just go out and do cheap shots. They didn't go out like that is so, that was so important. They went out there and they played their buns off for each other, for both of their quarterbacks. For and and then you know once Jared Goff got in and started really kind of gutting through, he says he's not in pain. That that shit looks painful. So once he starts gutting through those types of things, the offense sort of comes up and is playing for him, is playing for Cam Akers. The defense is responding and doing the things it needs to do. That was what I was really impressed with was how you could just feel these emotional surges that they sustained through the entirety of the game. And sometimes when you play emotionally, you make mistakes. Sometimes when you play emotionally, you do things that maybe you regret in terms of, like I said, some teams you've seen take cheap shots or or beef in certain ways. But these guys just were like, no, we're going to kick your butt up and down the scoreboard, up and down the stat sheet, and that's how we're going to sort of exact our revenge on you. Yeah, was, and that was the focus of, of Jordan's column, which is uh, on the Athletic uh, website and, and app right now, The Pile, where she really kind of drilled down on exactly what she's talking about here. And, and I'm, I'm glad you did that, Jordan, because obviously a lot of the focus from uh, Saturday's game was on the Rams' offense with everything that's going on at quarterback. And and like you said, an, an amazing, amazing game from, from Cam Akers, 131 yards rushing, uh, coupled with uh, two catches for 45 yards, uh, just a, a star performance from him. But we, we've now, when I say we, I, I mean kind of everybody has, has just kind of come to expect that this is the standard for the Rams' defense now. Uh, but to do what they did, I, you know, the final score ends up being 30 to 20. Seattle gets, you know, pretty much a garbage time touchdown right. there when, the, when the game had been decided. Uh, I saw several Rams backup uh, defenders in the game by that point, so I'm not putting a whole lot into that one. Uh, they completely shut down Russell Wilson. He completed 11 passes. I, I don't know whether that really sunk into with a, a lot of people. Is he, he completed 11 of 27 passes for 174 yards, and 51 of those yards were on one play, by the way. Uh, so, so other than that big touchdown strike, they really did not move the ball at all. I mean, they ran for... Uh, 136. Russell had a big chunk of that, but but they really just kept that Seattle offense in just no rhythm whatsoever. And and Jordan, you're right. You could almost see the the, the palpable change. I, I mean, the, the the Rams defense started with the three and out, and then the uh, the injury to John Wolford happened, and then like you said, the very next series, Seattle didn't help itself with a couple of uh, penalties, a hold, and a, and a false start. So they backed themselves up to begin with. Aaron Donald. Sack for loss of nine. Two <laughs> plays later, Aaron Donald sack for a loss of nine, and then they punt. And it, it just you you could feel it. You you could feel kind of the uh, the emotion and the the, the energy coming 
uh, from that Rams defense. It was kind of like we're we're not gonna we're not gonna give this up. And Jordan, to your point, also I, I did. I had a, a lot of, and I, I understand the emotion. I'll say that up front. I, I had s- several, I will say, probably a dozen people on Twitter right away saying things like, "Oh, now it's time to get Russell. Now it's you know now put a cheap shot on him." First of all. I don't believe in that. I don't think that's no. the right thing to do. And and second of all, that that was not the mindset of this Rams defense. It was not we have to go exact our revenge or you know an eye for an eye type of deal. It was we're just going to line up against these guys and just beat them. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. And I, I heard it mentioned on the on the TV commentary several times, and and they were certainly correct. The Rams weren't doing anything really exotic or dynamic. They were beating that Seattle front with a, with a four-man rush a lot of times. Which, don't you just love that? Sorry to interrupt yes. you, Rich, but like yep. just on a human level, like think about, think about the thing that – it's like when you have siblings and you're like, I know exactly the best way to piss this sibling off. And right. it's not going to be the overt choice. It's going to be sort of the one where you just really sort of like destroy their soul. If you're really in a right. sibling fight, you're like, I know what the insult is. That's like, oh, I'm going to really get them on this because it's real personal. And I just know which one would really bother them. I really know how to get under their skin. Beating <laughs> Seattle with a four man rush. Are you kidding Ooh. me? Like, yeah. you're not even, you're like, I don't even have to blitz. I don't, hell, I don't want to blitz. Go ahead. I'm going to yeah. beat, I'm going to beat you with four. And, yeah. and like, and, and to your point too, what emotional maturity, I think, to, not go out and play sloppy to not go out and sit there and try to, you know, bend guys ankles or, or, um, you know, tackle dirty or anything like that. And even with that sack, Aaron Donald could have gone out there. I mean, he had a, he, he was pretty much clear to go out. And if he, if he was the type of person who would do that could have done it, but the way that he tackles quarterbacks, he pulls them down around him onto him. And that's a really classy way to sack a quarterback (laughs) Sure, it got him hurt later on in the game, which I don't think is great, but he pulls them around and down on him so they're not, you know, always landing. Sometimes you can't help it, and sometimes they get pancaked, but you can't, if you can help it, and you're the type of athlete that he is, he's pulling them down to where it's not wrecking sort of the integrity of the game. You're you're keeping the uh, sort of the the force of the ground, um, you're absorbing it, and like, I, I just think that's so, that's really classy. Yeah, it is. And and that's that's Aaron. I mean, he's never been a, a cheap shot guy or anything like that. He certainly does not have that reputation. And I, I wouldn't expect him to, uh, to to play like that, nor would I with any of the other uh, Rams defenders. And yeah, they were just they were all over the place. And it, again, it wasn't just Aaron Donald as evidenced by the fact that he had to leave the game. And also, we didn't even mention that that Leonard Floyd had to leave the game uh, for for a little while there, while he was apparently getting evaluated for a concussion. He was able to return, but every time I looked up, it, w- it was somebody you know different in there. It was it was Morgan Fox, it was Sebastian Joseph Day, it was Michael Brockers, it was again, maybe a Leonard Floyd coming off the edge, Obo Okoronkwo in there making plays yeah. at, at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was it was not a one man band. That's that's for sure with this with this Rams defense. And uh, I, I know Rams fans uh, really don't want to hear this, but uh, published reports out over the last few days, Brandon Staley is getting those job interviews. Uh, the, the latest report that, that I saw, I believe from Adam Schefter, was that uh, he was scheduled to interview 
with both the Chargers and the Jets, uh, perhaps as early as uh, Sunday as, as we're recording here. So uh, that's the uh, that's the flip side of this, Rams fans. You, you've been able to enjoy your, your number one defense in the NFL all season, but uh, other teams have taken note. So uh, obviously Brandon Staley's focus will, will continue to be on the Rams and whatever opponent uh, is coming up. And uh, well, Jordan, what I know we're going to get into to quarterbacks here, but before I forget, I, I just wanted to mention the, the, the most likely scenario, I, I think, um, is that the Rams end up playing the Packers. Uh, like you said, it also could be the Buccaneers, but uh, what a matchup that would be. I mean, Sean McVay versus Matt LaFleur and uh, Brandon Staley against Matt LaFleur and against Aaron Rodgers, uh, the matchups with the receivers and the cornerbacks. I mean, uh, that, that would be a heck of a matchup. And and probably just a just a great challenge for that Rams defense. I would love to see that Rams defense versus that Packers offense. Yeah, well, because Brandon Staley's defense is particularly honed to stop high volume passing attacks and to confuse quarterbacks by way of what it looks like. Um, and I'm not quite done with defense yet, but I also want to point out that, um, yeah, I reported last week that um, Brandon Staley is going to be interviewing for the New York Jets job. I reported he's going to be interviewing for the Los Angeles Chargers job, which I think that's probably the most appealing job in the NFL that's vacant currently right now, um, other than the fact that it's the Chargers and they're cursed. But in terms of the personnel available, a, a head coach always wants to have the quarterback, always wants to have a, a promising option. If, if you're going to inherit a quarterback, you can't really ask for a better choice than Justin Herbert at this point. Um, otherwise, a new head coach always likes to find his quarterback um, because you could be made or or broken by the way that a young and developing franchise quarterback will play. So it's, it's a huge item on the, on the checklist. That defense obviously is, is a huge item on the checklist. Um, and, and this, and Sunday was the earliest that these could happen. Now it's, it's very obvious that a coach doesn't want to be this to be the continuation of the conversation through the week. So he's going to get those out of the way. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter talking about how, um, Oh, you know, he, they're still alive in the postseason. That means they can't interview. That's actually right. inaccurate. That's right. very not true. So you right. make sure you guys are understanding this. You can still interview, and Brandon Staley is going to still be interviewing for these positions because that's just how it works. It's not like um, you know you should you you could have some sort of emotional sway one way or the other. Like this this is how the process works. Okay, he hasn't been offered a job yet. This is just how the process works. It's how it's supposed to work. It's how, you know, it has worked since for years and years and years. You don't put off these interviews. You make sure that you are um, getting them taken care of and out of the way so that it's not a distraction for your teammates or for your players down later in the week when you still have all of these looming ahead of you. You want to make sure everything's out of the way so that you can just focus on the game plan, focus on the game ahead. And so those things are still happening despite some of the misinformation you might be seeing from from various <laughs> posters um, on Twitter. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and Jordan, if I if I could, because there's a point that I'd, I'd like you to speak to here, um, because you you have been. I, I mentioned other reports. You you've been right on top of this, and you've been on top of it for for a while. And I, the the other thing that I've heard from fans is, well, he's not the, the Jets and the Chargers. They're they're not going to be looking for defensive coaches. They're going to be looking for offensive coaches. But I, I know Jordan. You you got a unique glimpse into Brandon Staley as as you were doing a, a very big and comprehensive feature on him a few months ago, and he's not your typical defensive coordinator. Not that there is a typical one, but given his background and, and everything like that, it's not just like you would be bringing in a guy who only knows defense and doesn't know anything about the offensive side or offensive coaching. He's a little bit more of a unique candidate, right? Yeah, I mean, he's not the reason why his defense is so innovative and he has has such confidence in scheme. Yes, he's got two of the greatest football players in the world on his on his side. But in terms of just the scheme, if you strip away the players and you just focus on the little chess pieces moving around the board, his scheme is so innovative and creative because he is looking at it from the lens of an offensive mind. He used to be a quarterback. He used to be a point guard. He's like, this is how he's approaching the game. This is how he is looking at things is if I'm a quarterback, what do I least want to (laughs) face? What would confuse me the most? And so he's applying, he applied that to building this system that he ran when he was at John Carroll. And now that he's brought up um, and blended with some Vic Fangio concepts up into the NFL and it's working incredibly well. It's, um, it's going to take you. 10 plays to get 50 yards if I'm giving you a little bit of a cushion and daring you to run the ball or pass short against me. And that's better than giving you one play of 50 yards through the air. And as right. you see, it's it's the Rams are the best in the league at limiting explosive passing plays, explosive running plays, scoring, um, total defense. I mean, it's it's just remarkable to watch and it works. And part of it is because he has approached it as I'm I'm looking at the defense as if I'm a quarterback looking at what's across from me. What is the worst case scenario in my mind as a quarterback, what I would be looking at across from me? And then how can I continue to terrorize you with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey? (laughs) And so that's something that, um, I have no doubt. And, and guys like, I'm not trying, like, first of all, no, before you come out and tweet at me, no GM or head coach or owner in the league listens to the 11 personnel podcast and says, Hey, that sounds pretty cool. I might put in a request <laughs> for that guy. No, he's been on people's lists forever. If he's on Sean McVay's list, the second he gets put on Sean McVay's lists, he's on other lists. That's how much respect around the league Sean McVay has for talent identification, for the certain coaches that he's put in his pipeline. It's really the reason why Adam Gase had a job for so long is the little like threat is the the respect that other people have for Sean McVay and people who have been in orbit with Sean McVay, right? So the second Brandon Staley comes into that 
organization. Um, he is on other lists. The second they start playing really well, which was pretty much right out of the gate, but then also showing that they're, I would say the second Pete Carroll came out and said, mm-hmm. I have never seen the types of things that he's doing before. It looks different than anything I've ever seen. Pete Carroll Defensive guru Pete Carroll, who's seen literally everything and maybe has tripped on some peyote and Joshua tree and seen things that we can't even imagine at one point. (laughs) That Pete Carroll, the fact that he came out and said that, that puts him on lists. I mean, guys, it's it's not like they're going to go out and find him by listening to the 11 Personnel podcast as much (laughs) as I wish we had that much power. I'm just telling you, Brandon Staley is going to be able to communicate effectively what his ideas are for a team. If they want to go that direction, they will hire him. If they like someone else better, they will hire that person. Either way, he's going to go through the cycle. It doesn't matter how long their playoff run is. He's going to be continuously going through the cycle, especially because they can do so virtually over the course of an hour or two. And he's going to start probably, I, for, I, absolutely know for a fact that he's going to, that he has started putting a list together of people who he might bring onto a staff. But guys, that's not unique to Brandon Staley. That is everybody. Every coordinator in the National Freaking Football League has a list of people who he would bring with him, has a list of people who he's worked with in the past, people who are on other teams. Everybody has a list. Everybody, if you're Sean McVay, you have like 16 lists. Like everybody has a list. (laughs) Yeah. So before you come in and tweet at me about these things, like I've seen all season about how like you know, and I get it. It's like a hilarious running bit and I, and I love it. And I know I sound like I'm fired up, but I'm really not. Cause it's, you know, this is just all, this is all very, uh, I'm in my first wild card, non wild card postseason game. So <laughs> it's all very, I'm, all, I'm very fired up in general. So, but, but before, before you guys kind of perpetuate misinformation or anything like that, please understand that this is how the process works. These guys have literal portfolios built of every single story, every single, like most, some tweets, that have been written about them, that their agents keep and they manifest and they put into um, a a hiring portfolio that they send to other teams. Like everybody's got an agent. Everybody's agent is working triple overtime, particularly this time of year. And you're going to start to see a lot of things come out. Something that's really interesting that I think, Rich, uh, you probably get a kick out of as well is you see some of the other counter, sort of the the floated counters being put out at this point. You see, uh, you know, a few minutes after Mike Garofalo on NFL Network talks about how um, he was like on the phone or texting with Sean McVay about how Aaron Donald is for sure like going to, you know, he could have come back in if he wanted to. Well, then it's really interesting that another report gets put out about how um how much Brandon Staley really uh, anonymously this time, how much Brandon Staley really likes being a part of the LA Rams and how there could be a raise if he doesn't get a job and like all of these. I mean, it's all, yeah. you guys have Funny to understand. Like uh, this is a yeah. big, this is a big dance. You guys have to understand that. Like everybody is going to be putting out little, little smoke screens and like, that's how it works. It's not a yeah. negative. It's not a negative thing at all. This is just how it works. Yeah. It's the game. It's how the game is played. And it's the game it's is the game. Yeah, you have to respect it too. Don't don't forget to respect the game, Jordan. Um, and and by the way, I should add that I, I agree with everybody knows that the reason that, that NFL owners and personnel people listen to the Eleven Personnel podcast is for our kicker content. Oh, it, definitely. It is not. It is not for our discussion of defensive coordinator. I just wanted to make that distinction. Yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction clear. I mean, that's that's clearly why everybody uh, is listening. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just the way it goes. So I, I'm I'm fascinated, Jordan, because I, I I remember being in this 
a similar situation four years ago, probably exactly four years ago, looking at the name of Sean McVay and thinking, oh gosh, you know, yeah, he's getting this interview, but he's not really going to get this job. He's so young. He's only been a coordinator for, he's only been calling plays for a year. He's 30 years old. And then that's, this is just what happens again. Like you said, Jordan, you get put on a list, you, you have a portfolio, you have people around the league who speak well of you. Uh, you get your foot in the door as, as Sean McVay did and as Brandon Staley is doing right now. And then it's up to you. What do you do with that opportunity? And now Brandon Staley is going to get these opportunities to, to have these, these interviews. I don't even know how they do them. I, I haven't seen the details. Somebody asked me, like, how's he <laughs> going to be in New York and Los Angeles on the same day? I'm like, well, he's not actually going. Yeah, to, they do it to, virtually, guys. They're yeah. all on Zoom. Like Arthur Smith from the Titans. Like there was a joke that I actually don't know if it's a joke at this point, but there was like a running bit that he was going to try to do all of his Zooms at once with all the owners on the on the same Oh, like, that would be great. Teams call together. And um, actually, I'm not sure if that's even a joke at this point because it's like, get just get this out of the way. But um, like yeah, speed it's all, dating. Yeah, it's like it's all virtual. Right. And and like the research and background, like they have actual there are PR firms and investigative firms that are out there that these owners hire behind the scenes to then look into every single possible detail, um, you know, like, oh, they went on a road trip to uh, Wyoming one year, what's every rest stop they stopped at? What did they have for lunch on that Thursday? Like they really, I mean, it is, I've been through a lot of freaking coaching searches, guys. (laughs) Just just like I've been through a lot of uh, top 10 draft pick situations, like assistant coaches, everything. Like it really is. And GM searches, I mean, it really is such a, it's, it's a months long process. It's not just like, oh, um, you know, Jordan or Jordan and Rich tweeted about Brandon Staley one time, and now he's on all these lists. No, he's no. been on lists for months. If he's on Sean's list, he's on a lot more lists around the league. And um, it's yeah. just the process itself is so crazy. Like this, this industry is so crazy when you look behind the scenes. That um, and then the things that you you can't share, and the things that you can't you you learn about, but you can't share because you're you know you have. You have to do the dance and protect relationships or gather more information and uh, make sure that you have such a complete picture of of all of these different things. And this time of year, it's just so it's so interesting. Um, But yeah, but we're really off track right now, Rich. But it's just sorry. That was my fault. No, it's it's good. I mean, I think people needed to I'm seeing a lot of misinformation out there about this process, actually, from people who speak with authority on it. But um, that's actually misinformation. So we want to make sure that um, that we're sort of setting it straight here. But um, before we before we switch over to quarterbacks, because that's going to be a huge, a huge deal. um, I wanted to talk about Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams really quick, because Jalen Ramsey, um, the the performance against DK Metcalf for the third time. So so let me run the stat for you guys. In three matchups against DK Metcalf um, has been in coverage. Jalen has been in coverage at least 60% or more of routes run in all three has limited in all three to a combined four catches for 44 yards. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. And, and it's not only that, I mean, we talk about this almost every week, but it, this is not a, it's not a unicorn. I mean, it's the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins or uh, the other top, 
receivers that, that he faces every week. And it's not even that just that they're not throwing to him. I mean, I remember distinctly a couple plays in Saturday's game where he just made some a couple great breakups and or just the coverage was so tight that the throws uh, weren't even going to get there. I mean, he and, and the thing that I love about this, Jordan, and, and you, you mentioned it also, so I'm sorry to, to steal your thunder on this, but it was something that hit me too, is that there's there's respect there. You, you see you see a lot of I don't want to say a lot of, but you see some cornerbacks who kind of like puff out their chest about it or you know trash talk or you know try to demean the receiver who they're who they're facing. That's not really Jalen Ramsey's play. Um, he he has a lot of confidence in himself. He absolutely does. There's no question about that. But he 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 respects these things and and he really I I think welcomes these these types of uh, matchups. It's, he doesn't again. He doesn't demean anybody. He doesn't put himself above anybody else. I think he would love to have these challenges every single week. And and he just he. I think he respects it. I think he he really enjoys those those challenges. And I know that was something you you had mentioned during the week also. Yeah, and you know what I really loved. I've been sort of tracking this with you and with the two guys, Mike Dugar and and Chris over at the Man to Man podcast um, in Seattle, uh, which is a great listen, you guys. If if you um, are ever yes. interested in hearing the opposite perspective, there. Um, so we've been sort of tracking, like, so Jalen Ramsey, and I loved his pregame interview that he did with Aaron Andrews um, on the Fox broadcast because yeah. he talked about growth and, and personal growth and how sometimes he can't even, it it almost feels like it was another life in which he sort of was sometimes saying the things that he said. And we all remember sort of the GQ article and like all of these different things, but he feels like because he's so so, been so growth focused, um, it almost feels like another life. And I totally like, I can totally relate to that. And I think that that is just really, it was a really cool sort of self-evaluation that he had, um, and, and was able to sort of, um, vocalize because some, sometimes it takes human beings their entire lives to realize certain truths about themselves or to, to, to realize certain, you know, to recognize their own growth and, and all of that. And Jalen Ramsey very much to me seems like someone who's always seeking to grow and to learn and to be better on the field and off the field. And in that way, I have been so fascinated by the way that he sort of sets the table for these matchups every week and particularly against DK Metcalf, because I think he knows that the best way to get in DK Metcalf's head is the non-overt way, Hmm. is to not sit there and say, um, oh yeah, I've, you know, he didn't have a single catch last time, so I'm going to hold him, I'm going to shut him out this time, or he's trash or anything like that, because he's not. He's a, DK Metcalf's a great player. But I think he knows, and you saw this on the sideline um, in, in the game, yeah. He knows the w- the best way to actually get in DK Metcalf's head is to sort of set the table of the matchup in a way that's very like very polite and like eerily calm. Like there's right. a, like like I I referred to it on one podcast. It's like kind of like when you hear people talk about Minnesota Nice or like that movie Fargo where like they're the the person's super nice but they ha- like have a body in the trunk. <laughs> like <laughs> yes. you know, but you'd never know cuz they're so it's just so very polite, like like this week, uh, this last week, the Seahawks Twitter got a hold of like this tweet where John Johnson was like, "Yeah, we could we could tell that they're trying to hide DK Metcalf, which they were. It was a smart game plan. They're they're literally motioning DK away from Jalen Ramsey one on one and right. sort of stacking him so that he gets high. It's it's called getting hidden in the trash. 
So basically, when um, the receivers run their routes, he's hidden in a stack to where the defensive back, there's too much cluster, and then the quarterback can get the ball to the intended receiver because there's too much mess going on all around him, and he sort of gets lost in translation, right? So that's what they had tried to do by motioning him away. And um, it it was so interesting because they – they very subtly like said, oh yeah, trying to hide him, trying to hide him from Jalen. And then Jalen comes out and is like the picture of respect and is like, I don't think <laughs> DK Metcalf needs to hide from me. He's DK Metcalf. He's a great, <laughs> he's a great comp- competitor. I think it should be one-on-one and big on big. And selfishly, that's just what I think the game should be about. And, and he's a great player. And so he should, you know, I, I'm certain he relishes the challenge of going up against me. And is like so polite, but like, right. oh, that's so kill. That just kills your soul if you're DK Metcalf right. and you you hear that and you're like, I'm right. I want I want these opportunities. And you could see him get so mad on the sideline because he's not getting them. Right. And then when he does get them, Jalen Ramsey is able to just really handle it. But they that's what they want. They want to set the table in that way. It's like reverse psychology. It's so excellent. Right. Like, right. And I know he's not a coward. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know he's, he's. Yeah, yeah, he he can handle it if they just yeah. put him there. You know, like, and, and it's so, it's so subtle and excellent. And I just love it. I think it's been, you've seen that all year, um, from Jalen, you know, it's been so subtle with him and so excellent in that regard. And like, I just think that's fantastic. And, and then, and it worked, they got exactly what they wanted because they got, they got DK on Jalen for 69% of routes or excuse me, they got Jalen on DK for about 69% of routes, according to next gen stats. He held him to, uh, what was it, three catches for 33 yards, which is the most he's had in a game. He's total 44 yards, four catches in three games. And mm-hmm. and um, then they got the look that they wanted when they motioned him away. They had a jailbreak screen, and Darius Williams had watched it so much on tape, and then they pattern match, remember, because Brandon Staley, that's what he does. They pattern match in practice. So they've seen that play. To the point where Darius Williams became the first player all season to intercept a screen pass. And I have not seen a play like that in like five years where then that's a pick six. I, I'm yeah. serious. I have not yeah. seen a play like that in like five years. It, it was incredible. Yeah. And I haven't either. It was, I almost had, I, I had to look at it closely and be like, wait, did that just happen? Like it was, it was, and really that I think that the turning point play of the game, I mean, we talked about how well the Rams defense had come out and played, but I, I mean, at, at that point it, it was a, a six to three game. The, the Rams were leading. They had just, just kicked a field goal about midway through the second quarter. And then that happens, uh, you know, three plays into the next drive and 42 yard, Touchdown return by by Darius Williams. Uh, the Seahawks came right back and scored a touchdown. But I really think that was kind of the the tone setter. I mean, to to take a ten point lead in the second quarter of that game really felt like something pretty monumental. And uh, you're right, uh, Darius Williams. What, what a play! And yet another scoring play uh, for for this Rams defense. Uh, it's just just a remarkable thing that that they've been been able to do. I remember there was a streak. I think it was the year the Rams uh, went to the Super Bowl where they, they just had this streak of, of turnovers on the first possession uh, that they were able to generate. It was just ridiculous. I think they did it in like six or seven games in a row. Yeah, but but this this streak, I, I think, is even more impressive. What are they at now? Four of the last five games? 
well, yeah. where, where you're putting a touchdown on the board and there, there's been there's been a safety in there too. And, you know, obviously other turnovers that set you up in, in very good field position. I mean, the, the defense has literally had a, a positive impact on, on the outcome of these games, of the scores. And I've never seen anything like it. And you know, you, you can't, that's not predictive. You can't expect it to happen every week, but with the way these guys play it, you almost can, uh, just because it's become so, so routine. And, uh, again, just spoke to the, the, the depth that's there. Darius Williams making plays. I mean, John Johnson coming in and delivering a huge hit. You mentioned it in your story. Just kind of, it was almost like a like an earthquake. Oh my God. Just kinda, like the 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 shock wave of it almost knocked knocked the ball out. So uh, just just you know, great plays all around uh, by that defense. It certainly was not a, a one person effort or even a three or four person effort. They were they were just all, all over the place. Yeah, but, that was like classic yeah. inertia. That's like those little <laughs> thing. That was like those things that uh, you see on people in like finance and whatever, like their, their desks, you see that it's like yes, the little, right. the yeah. little silver balls on the yeah. strings and you click one click and the inertia and carries, carries through and it clicks into, um, right. and it clicks into the other. Like that's exactly what John Johnson hitting DK Metcalf was. It was like, click, click. Oof, I could feel that. <laughs> I know. It was, was brutal. Yeah. So Jordan, should we pivot? Uh, should we pivot to, pivot. The, to, to the big to the big topic? <laughs> I can't believe we've we've gotten this long, but it, uh, you know what? I'm glad we did though, because the, the, you know everybody's talking about the 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 offense. I'm glad we we spent some time talking about the the defense. There yeah, because they deserve the Ram- all the credit. I mean, they really do. It's been the identity of this team all year, and the quarterback situation is kind of a mess, but also kind of not. So it's you know we, we'll. I, I think it's a good. I think it's a. Good, we spent a good amount of time on what we needed to do there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, Jordan, I'm going to set the table here, yes. and I'm going to let you take it in. The, I, I have a rant coming. I cannot um, wait. I know exactly yeah. what this is going to be about. And I oh, cannot, yeah, I, have, I, cannot I, have, I, have, I have evidence. I've been I, like I've been submitting it to the court clerk. I, I have, <laughs> I have, I'm ready to go. But let, let's just set the table here because I mean, everybody. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time recapping the game. Uh, I'm, I presume most everybody. Uh, watched it or knows what happened. Uh, like we've said, John Wolfer got knocked out of the game early uh, on the on the first uh, possession after he tried to, to pick up some yards with his legs and ended up getting hit in the head. I, I did not like the hit. I, I thought it was a. I, I thought the intent of it was bad. Yeah. Never never mind the result of it. I I, I, I hate those kind of hits. They're just they're totally unnecessary. Um, so I was very glad to see that John Wolfer ended up being okay. Uh, he left the game having completed three of six attempts for 29 yards, picked up two yards on that ill-fated run. And then in came Jared Goff, uh, he of the broken thumb. Jared completed it's nine. It's fine, and- Rich. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, just like Todd Gurley's knee. It, it, was, it was fine. Uh, Jared Goff completed nine of 19 attempts for 155 yards, one touchdown, and I think what should be the the big uh, red signal the the big red spinning signal did not did not turn the ball over and i think jordan when i think about jared goff's game there's a lot of things he didn't do in the game maybe wasn't able to do but the fact that he didn't turn the ball over we've talked about it every week uh probably to me was the biggest factor in his game yeah i mean that there were two things that i Real well, there were three things that I really appreciated about Jared Goff's game. One, and you know, my number one is that he didn't turn the ball over. Right. <laughs> like 
that has been such an issue with him and not just turning it over, but in catastrophic ways, um, forcing dumb throws, um, making decisions that he shouldn't make, um, missing other plays that are open, but you know, and I think, what is it like 17 turnovers this season? And so that was, that was great. The other thing was the second thing is how gritty and gutsy he played because you have to respect him for that. That was, I mean, the dude just had surgery 12 days ago and I don't care how little pain you are in or how much, how little pain you say you're in. That thumb was like the size of a freaking grapefruit by the end of the game. And it was like blue on one side. And I, I don't care if you have three pins put in your, the base of your thumb and you're getting snaps from center. Um, people don't often understand how actually how hard the ball comes out of the center and, and hits the hand. And if you're doing all of these things, then you have to grip and throw. And then you're, you're like, you can't even high five your teammates with that hand. Because you're you're the only oh rich, because you're the you're the only other active quarterback, so you can't even high five your teammates what? because one wrong hit could totally completely screw you guys over and put Johnny Hecker in at quarterback because because right. they didn't activate Blake Bortles. So I really 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 respected how Jared Goff um, played that game. And number three, his best one of two, a couple of his better plays were really notable of him stepping up through the pocket, a long completion to Cooper cup, Cooper cup kind of had like a rescue ball situation, um, where he went up and and muscled the ball away, which is not something you see have seen often from Rams receivers this year in terms of those contested catch situations. Cooper cup went up and got it for his quarterback. And that was his 44 yard catch. And Jared Goff did really well to step into that throw. And then the other one that I really loved was the Robert Woods touchdown, that play, that play stack, that's what we, that's what we, earlier when I was talking about coming out through the wash or kind of a coming out through the garbage chute um, play, right. that's what we're talking about. Robert Woods got, like, got, he, he bumped the guy he needed to bump to make sure that there wasn't a free rusher on Goff. And then he sort of scampered his way out through the trash and was wide open. And, and he totally, they totally lost account of him. And I think that yeah. was supposed to be Jamal Adams' assignment on that play, but I'd have to go back and watch to stick with him over on that play. But they, I mean, they really just went out there and and just battled. And I, I thought that was impressive. Yeah. And how about the the throw to Cam Akers, too? Oh, yeah. The, uh... I think that's actually the one I was thinking of. The, okay. not, not the Cooper Cup. The Cooper Cup one, that was a rescue catch by Cooper. The one to Cam Akers right. is the one I'm thinking of when he stepped through the pocket and was under duress and then didn't like held it long enough, didn't just fire it away or do something right. stupid with it. Instead, he just kind of dumped it off to camp. That's absolutely the one I'm so thank you for correcting. Cause it, that, that was absolutely the one I was talking about. The, um, it was what the, uh, n- another, this is why I got confused. Another 44 yard <laughs> catch right. is a catch and run. And it was just a really great play made by Jared. Yeah. It, it was the one that I remember because I remember when he did move up in the pocket, I, I, my first thought was, Oh no. <laughs> Like something bad is going to happen here. Like he's either going to get hit or he's going to, he's going to, uh, something bad is going to happen. That was my first thought. And then I saw him turn his head a little bit and he saw Cam Akers and I went, oh, okay, like there's, there's something here. And then Cam Akers made a, some great plays there to, uh, to work the sideline and get down the field. Anyway, that, that was a, that was a really good example to me of, uh, of, uh, of a great play by Jared. And he, again, like I'm not, I'm not going to debate what, what he did and didn't do. Uh, the the fact that he was even out there and able to to do what he did, you've you've got to be able to to grade it on a little bit of a curve. Like it's this is not 
uh, a season opening game or a, just a regular game, like for him to go out there and and play like he did, you, you have to give him credit. Whether or not you think he's a good quarterback or not, I'm not going to argue that point today. Uh, but it's, he, he went out there and, and got the job done and again, did not turn the ball over. I mean, we, I think we all could have envisioned a scenario in which he's just, you know, throwing up floaters and, and, you know, I'm just scared of his shadow because he doesn't want to get hit on the hand again and, and making bad passes. You really did not see that. I mean, was it totally accurate? No. Did the passes have a, a lot of zip on them sometimes? No, they didn't. Uh, but again, like you said, Jordan, for somebody 12 days removed from, from hand surgery. I don't know whether there's a whole lot more you could ask than, than what you got. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and like, I almost didn't, I, I didn't even think when I was writing my piece, I was like, didn't even realize that at a certain point I wasn't even really tracking his, his actual passing line. Like I was tracking to see if he had turned it over for sure, but I was not even really tracking his passing line because at this point I was like, listen, give the ball to Cam Akers Whatever right. you do at this point is gravy. Just like don't get hurt. Um, don't right. turn the ball over. Just whatever you can do. And and so I think, you know, I'm not gonna nitpick at nine, you know, nine completions. Like the dude is twelve days off surgery and Cam Akers rushed for 131 yards. Like I'm not gonna Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna pick at this at this right. point. Exactly. So should should I should I go ahead with my presentation? I would really. Do you have a PowerPoint okay. for us too? Uh, I, I wish we did. Yeah, yeah, maybe I can. Maybe I can upload my notes uh, on uh, on a Twitter or something. So, I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, it. I'll, I'll try not to go on forever. I've but. settled into my seat and I actually just okay. picked up picked up my coffee and I'm just ready. To okay, go. good. Well, I, I actually and I've I've done this before, Jordan, and and I I do mean this. I I want you to interrupt me if you hear anything inaccurate. Okay. Okay. Because it, it should be said that the Jordan is the person who is who is there every single day who is on all of the Zoom calls, uh, asking the questions, getting Counting the throws. Counting throws. Yeah, looking at who's who's taking which snaps from which center. Uh, she's really on, on the ground looking at this. I, I am taking a 30,000-foot view of it. So if I make any misstatements, I, I would love for you to jump in and, and correct them. Um, my 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 presentations, my TED Talk today is is about the the uh, process of of naming John Wolford as the the starting quarterback and all week uh which we expected nobody said who was was going to be the starting quarterback and I think we agreed Jordan that we didn't expect that to happen and and we understood the process and why Sean McVay wasn't going to name his quarterback it was annoying for everybody but it was completely understandable given the the context of everything that was that was going on so after the game uh, it was learned through through various uh, through interviews and and through a couple stories that got published that Sean McVay actually told the team. There's a little bit of dispute exactly what what day it was, but we've we've narrowed it down to either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, told the team and of course told the quarterbacks that John Wolford was going to be the starting quarterback. Okay, so I have some questions. I have some questions. Jared Goff hurt his thumb two weeks ago in that game against uh, Seattle, as we know. He had surgery the very next day. As I recall, Jordan, there was a there was a middle of the night uh, uh, meeting that took place or, or something <laughs> like that uh, when, you know, when all of these important decisions are made, um, when uh, when it was determined that Jared Goff would have surgery. He had surgery on the thumb on that on that Monday. You and all the other reporters were told 
almost immediately about how confident the Rams were that Jared Goff would be able to return for a playoff game should the Rams make it that far, which of course they did. I think that continued throughout the week, uh, that a similar level of confidence. John Wolford obviously made the start in the week 17 game against Arizona. That game went pretty well. I think we can agree. Uh, The Rams (laughs) won the game. John Wolford, as we said last week, played, as far as I'm concerned, based on my expectations of him, exceeded my expectations for, for what he could do, what he would do in his first game. Almost immediately, the tone of the comments shifted. Sean McVay was again asked after the game about his quarterback situation, and the tone shifted to more of a, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the week goes. The tone of the reporting from the national media, who, as Jordan alluded to earlier, receive certain information from certain people, uh, the tone of those reports started to shift toward, well, yeah, you know, we'll see. It might, gosh, it, it might be tough. It might be tough for Jared to, to come back. Um, and then we found out that Sean McVeigh told the team either on Tuesday or Wednesday, either way, it was without a full practice. It was before a a full team practice in which Jared Goff could have uh, thrown the ball or taken snaps and things like that. Told the team that John Wolford was starting. Um, I find this very curious, Jordan. I, I find it curious as to what the nature of this decision really was. Because it seems to me that the decision was made before Sean McVay could, and, and anybody else for that matter, not just putting it all on Sean, but before anybody could really even get a look at Jared and what he could do in a practice, how he could throw the ball. They didn't wait for, they certainly didn't wait for Wednesday's practice. They certainly didn't wait for Thursday's practice to see how that could go. Um, and they just kind of handed the keys to, to John Wolford without even getting a look at that. I, I don't really understand that. If, if the idea was that they were, that Jared is the quarterback, as Sean McVay said, and that they were going to see how he progressed during the week, they didn't do that. They made the call on John Wolford before they even had a chance to, to progress, to see how he would progress during uh, the week. And I, I just, I find that a little bit curious. And Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on, on all that. But, mm-hmm. but before I do, I wanted to, to make one more point because somebody brought up a good point on, on Twitter and I enjoyed the exchange was to make the, actually a couple of people made this point of, well, they needed to do that because John Wolford needed the first team reps. He needed to get in that work and, and, and be the guy for the week. And, you know, if he, if he was going to play, they had to do that. I understand that. I also understand that Jared Goff has been the quarterback of this team since the middle of the 2016 season. He played his 10th game against the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday, 10th game of his career. He didn't need the week of practice. He didn't, he didn't need to be in there in terms of a game plan thing, in terms of 
facing the scout team and, and working against uh, Seattle's quote unquote defense. He didn't need that. You could have put John Wolford in there for the entire week of practice as the QB one and then made your decision based on how Jared's thumb progressed by the end of the week. That's not what they did. They made the call either on Tuesday or Wednesday without even really having an idea of where Jared's thumb might end up. Right. And, and, and sorry, Rich, but I, no, I also want to interject. Done, so no, I, 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 I just want to get your thoughts on all of I want to make sure, too, that it, it's, it's clear. We have confirmation, not just from Sean, but from Kevin O'Connell, from, from uh, John Walford, from Pete Carroll, from Robert Woods. They're, they're running <laughs> the same offense. So right. I just want to also put that detail into your into your um, PowerPoint here because Thank it's you. because one thing I also had seen was oh well you need the the rest of the team to get used to running a different offense under John Walford that's not that's not true that's misinformation that's not right. true because they're running the same offense they do design runs for John Walford which um, y- you can really just integrate into your system um, basically just with the quarterback in certain blocking schemes and things like that. That's, that's, that takes, you know, it's not, not a complete overhaul by any stretch. This is, um, the reason it looks different is because of what John can do in, in the pocket, how he can swivel his head, how quick he is in terms of getting through his progressions, how he can extend plays. So they are longer developing. That's why it looks maybe different to you is because the plays are getting more of an opportunity to develop thoroughly into their depth because, um, of what he can do in the pocket, right? Okay, so that's that's right. just you don't you didn't need to um, get the offense the reps you you want to get John, John Walford the reps the first team reps obviously you right. don't necessarily need like you said Rich you don't need Jared to get those reps you you also are not running a completely different game plan um, for one quarterback versus the other, you're running the same Sean McVay offense. You're just doing it with a different quarterback and then sprinkling in some design runs. Right. Exactly. So yeah, thank you for that, for that, that context, because that, that even further, uh, makes the point. And, and I just wanted to, in, in conclusion, I guess I should say. (laughs) In uh, summary. In summary. Yeah. (laughs) The the point is not to like, I had a couple of people right away, like, Oh, you know, why are you trying to cause problems or whatever? Like not trying to cause problems. I mean, first of all, like I don't, I don't. Well, quite frankly, I don't, I don't care if, if it does cause problems. <laughs> but, but that's not my, that's not my point. I'm not trying to stir things up. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been around this team for almost five years now. I think anybody who's followed what I do knows that that's not really my thing. I'm not trying to be shocking or, or have a hot take about this. But I, I just, I, I, I think there should be a little bit more clarity in terms of why this decision was made. Um, and I don't think. As you heard, Jordan, and as you wrote, I, I don't believe that Jared Goff was benched. I, I, I don't think that's true. Uh, but I also, I, based on everything that I've said and everything that we've talked about, I don't think anybody could say that the decision was made based on how Jared's thumb was progressing. Because if that was part of the equation, then they would have waited. And like you have just helped me point out, they could have waited. There, there really wasn't any reason to, to make that call on, on Tuesday or, or Wednesday. So to, to me, Jordan, J- Jared sounded, I don't know what the right word is, I, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, but the fact that he 
kind of came out and, and said multiple times during a couple interviews, like, yeah, you know, I, I, I could have played like I was, I, I was ready to go. And, and again, I know people would say, well, of course he's going to say that he's a competitive guy, but for him to come out and say that after the game, like there really wasn't any reason for him to, to come out and say it just for, for him to say that hit me a little bit, a little bit of an interesting way, but I, I don't know. Am I, am I being kind of a conspiracy theorist on this or, or, or reading too much into it? I, I just, I thought, thought, I thought that the comments were interesting uh, based on comparing to, to the way things actually played out. Yeah. I think, I think interesting is the right word. I'm not ready to make a uh, sort of a, calculation on what any of it means because I think in the playoffs you have to factor one game at a time so sure. it's kind of like what we talked about a week ago is where like we we really thought that the person who would start at quarterback for Seattle would be a the healthiest and be the person who gave them win factoring in health or not health uh, or number of percentage points of health would give them the best opportunity to win Right. And to beat Seattle. And I think you're you're really looking at that sort of a factor here. And you can't look at the big picture in this in this when you're extrapolating playoffs. It's one week at a time, one game at a time. Every game is the first week of your season and the last week of your season. So you have to really extrapolate all of that and not it it's goes back to sort of unpacking previous biases, unpacking emotional ties to people. You have to really just say, what sets me up in the best position to win at this at this moment? And so if you kind of look at it from a very surface level area here. To me, it seems that Sean McVay, after after rewatching the tape that John Walford put up against Arizona and saw not the, you know, the red zone issues or whatever, but specifically the way that he could change their math on offense by running and, and putting himself into those physical situations but also the way that he was able to extend plays against a Seahawks defense that has been playing well, but is was also going to come into that game pretty beat up. And you saw Jamal Adams was playing with like two torn labrums and two broken fingers or something like that. And, and felt that maybe they could capitalize on those types of things. And then also the way that Jared Goff responded, who they knew or they figured, you know, this is the team thought, or seem to think that Jared wouldn't be, you know, at 100%. Jared obviously thinks he's close to that. So, you know, this is just, I'm just speaking from what maybe the team might have might have sure. weighed in their decision, not necessarily Jared, that that you also, the, the way that he responds to pressure puts him at higher risk for injury, at higher risk for turnover, particularly with three screws in his thumb. So, okay, so, okay, so you pick John Walford, fine. You know what? I don't I could even give a shit if we're told at any point ever in the rest of, you know, my football career who the starting quarterback is. Really. Right. It's it's not a bit it's not that big of a deal. No. It be, because you're in the playoffs. Like it's one game at a time in the playoffs. But the thing that I think is interesting that I want to make sure I wrote in my column last week entering this game, it does not matter as much who starts this game, but what matters is all of the little details that you start to see moving forward. And you have to just keep right. a list of all these little details because little detail, the, the franchise is not pivoting, okay? There's no sweeping controversy to be had right now. There's very interesting facts that, Rich, you did a great job of presenting in, in your PowerPoint here. Thank but you. There, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, there there's a a long list of interesting facts that you can present 
over the course of many, many weeks, many, many games, that's when you start to see which way the franchise will ebb and which way it will flow. Okay. So yeah. this is why we this is why we comment on these things. The interesting detail is the juxtaposition of Jared saying, I want to get this out of the way. This wasn't like, and God bless him, because I asked him a completely different question. <laughs> but he right. was like, I was like first called on on Zoom and I was like asking him about the game. And he was like, I just want to get this out of the way. I was like, okay, man, take the podium, do it. Yes. He's like <laughs> He's like, my thumb is fine. I'm not in any pain. There's no like pain management. My thumb is fine. I do not want that to be an excuse. And I said, okay, well, I, you know, it wasn't just so, you know, I wasn't like making an excuse for like nine completions or whatever. Right. And he was like, no, no, I know that. I just wanted to make it clear um, yeah. to everybody that I don't want my thumb to be an excuse. So that's, that's him saying he doesn't want his thumb to be an excuse and he doesn't believe it should have been an excuse in factoring in this game. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. That's what the interesting thing is here, guys. That's a juxtaposition right. between the team believing one believing or saying they believe a certain item about the thumb and Jared himself saying, I don't believe that that should be factored into any any decision or any part of my performance or anything decided about me and right. shouldn't be moving forward. So that's the interesting thing. The other thing that I just completely disagree with and thought was bullshit, quite frankly, was that they did not activate a third quarterback. Right. And that to me, so here, here's how the chart kind of, and I wish you guys were in my brain because it's a weird place, but I picture, I visualize certain things, right? So, so the way that I kind of visualize the chart is that John Walford, a 100% healthy John Walford, plus the factor he presented against the matchup, that specific matchup of Seattle, okay, was greater in the Rams' minds and Sean McVay's mind greater than eighty in the Rams' minds eighty five to ninety eighty to ninety percent healthy Jared Goff plus the the matchup that he presents against the Seahawks okay was greater than active but 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 not but the margin was not big enough the margin right. there was not big enough to then decide to activate a third quarterback so you you can say that you don't think Jared Goff is healthy enough to start, but right. that means that you cannot also say you think he's healthy enough to play in a game in an emergency and you right. won't activate a third quarterback. Those two things cannot be true at the same time. Right. There, there's a, a tiny, tiny, tiny little window there. And it's, it's, you can't, there's no way you could do it uh, to, to make that. And, and again, that, that's, and I agree 100%. I, I fully expected Blake Bortles to be, active for that game. Either way, actually, I thought he would, he would be active just as an emergency uh, third quarterback. And, and people said, well, it worked out. It worked out fine. That's not the point. The point is not that it worked out. The point is that they were one play away. They were one high five, one errant high five away from having Johnny Hecker as their quarterback in a, in a playoff game. I, I don't, I don't understand that. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, Jordan, you're right. And, and then again, this, this, Kind of speaks back to my point of you know what what was the nature of this decision? I I think you quite frankly, Jordan, I think you laid out the Rams' thought process better than the Rams have in terms of <laughs> you know this this is why you listening uh, to this dem off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Kevin. I mean, I know you know it's not. No, either, I know. But, I just like yeah. to I just like to give him crap. <laughs> I know. I know. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Um, but um, <laughs> but it, it's like that that that's a fine explanation. The explanation that you gave is a fine one. 
It's I, I that makes complete sense to me. You looked at it and said, "Hey, you know what? John Wolford brings things. Think it's a good matchup against Seattle. Yeah, Jared's a little dinged up, just had thumb surgery. So that that's why that's why we made the decision. Not this like, well, you know, Jared's thumb and he just had you. But they didn't even see where like like you you said, Jordan. Maybe it's eighty or eighty five percent. They made the decision." days before they needed to. They didn't know where where it was going to be by Friday. They didn't know whether it was going to be 60% or 85% or 90%. They made the call before it was even determined how, how healthy Jared was going to be. Now, I presume they made the call about Blake Bortles based on that information. I assume that they got to Saturday and said, well, yeah, Jared, you know, seems fine. He can throw the ball. Don't think we need a third quarterback. I I agree with you, Jordan. I still don't. I don't like that decision. I think it was a very risky decision, Uh, but I assume they made it. It was an informed decision based on on what they saw from Jared throughout the week. But they did not apply that same kind of thought process to naming the starter. They they did that days before they needed to. And I, Jordan, it was. I, I would encourage people to go back and and. Read what what you wrote uh, in in your 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 column a few days ago I, about you know kind of what this means for the Rams going forward and what they can learn what this what they can learn from this whole experience and and it is to me it's a subtle little interesting I I don't think it's I don't think it's a headline I don't think it's something that you know, like you said uh, suggests any type of huge uh, change any you know, any type of huge move in the organization. I don't think that at all, but I do think it's a subtle little interesting thing that, that they made that decision before they needed to. So here's another subtle, interesting thing. Remember guys, we have to, we have to look at all of these. Um, they, they happen independent of each other and sometimes they don't mean anything, but as you start to stack them up all together, and start to look at the body of data. And this is going to be a couple of years, obviously. I mean, at least a year or two years of stacking up this body of data, okay? You have to look at all of these little decisions and all of these little details. They're not going to just, this franchise is not just going to jump ship and pivot just because John Walford had like a game and a a couple of snaps that were really, really good, right? And that Sean really likes him and the broadcast was like gushing over him um, in the... Um, because these guys, here's another peek behind the curtain that I'm not sure a lot of people know about. They, they do these things called production meetings all day. They sit with, um, all of the key players, the, the broadcasters, they sit with all of the key players. They sit with the coaches now on zoom. They do their interviews that they're going to do for the, um, the broadcast, like pregame show. And they talk off the record for hours, for hours, with these, with these, that, that's the kind of access that the the major broadcast networks that fund the NFL. That's the access that they have. Okay, so when you hear, you don't always want to take it fully into account when you hear like people talking about how Sean McVay thinks that John Walford reminds him of himself on the broadcast. But but they're not just saying that because it's a fun thing to say. Right. They're sitting in these broadcast meetings and they're listening to the the coach talk about what this young guy can do and they're also listening to some truths about Jared's health and the, the surgery and all of these things and so they're making some of their commentary because they've they've heard good things in in the off the record sessions and right. 
you know, you, you hear, you, you're able to gather and gather and gather. And so it's not like you can just say, oh, Sean McVay wants John Walford to play because he reminds him of himself. No, that's not, <laughs> you can't take these independent data points and just say, this is the sweeping truth now. You have right. to gather them all up. Here's one more that I want you guys to add. And I have it in my column, the pile. They sent Jared, Jared Goff out to, as the solo captain to call the coin toss. Okay. Yes. He was not starting, but he is still a captain. Yes. So they sent him out to call the coin toss. And to me, that was a smart move by the head coach of saying, look, we still, you know, you're our guy still. This is an extrapolated, isolated situation. We are going to show you in front of both sidelines that you still are our guy by sending you out as team captain for the coin toss. They could have sent Johnny Hecker did it last week. Michael Brockers, like and Cooper Cup, any of these, Andrew Whitworth in his first game back, they chose to send Jared Goff even though he was not starting. So that's, again, it doesn't mean like 6,000 major truths about the organization, but it is right. a data point that we have right. to mark down and we have to look at all of the things and all of the decisions that start to happen moving forward. It's a puzzle piece. It's a, it's, it it's is. A, the world's it's most annoying puzzle. Oh, <laughs> is it ever? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and again, it's like I know people don't don't like the comparison or whatever, but it's there. There are some parallels to the Todd Gurley thing, uh, you know, of of last year, where it's just you know when when things aren't being directly said on the record publicly, then you have to find those puzzle pieces and and try to put them together. So that was a very fr- totally totally different scenario, by the way. I'm not trying to draw any parallels there, but other than. From the fact that that you know when things are a little opaque, then then you have to look for little hints or, or look for things like you said on on both sides, and I, I think we we just did that there. So um, it's fascinating stuff, Jordan, and it, it it is. I think it is going to be something that that continues to evolve and and that we're still going to be talking about for for a while. Um, and you know, again, I know everybody wants an answer about next week. We I. I Jordan, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I I would be very surprised if if we heard unless John yeah. Walford is just completely ruled out. Um, I I would be I would be pretty surprised if if we heard anything this week. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, really, I don't mind. Like it, they, it was it was really uh, kind of odd to they both Jared and uh, Sean both came up to the podium um, last night and they were like, yeah, we spent the last week lying to you guys. And I was, and like Jared even like straight up said that. And you know what? I don't care. Whatever. This, this is not, this is a part of it. This is just a part of it. This is where I can use as many, as much of my eyes and ears and everything. There is one thing, Rich. And this just, I, I I almost couldn't sleep last night because this just was killing me. But I was, I ended up getting to a place where I could laugh about it. Okay. So Friday, excuse me, end of week, last interview of the week with Sean, usually that is reserved for some of the more lighthearted topics. This is when you start to get your questions about features that you're working on in for the following week. Um, Really, you get injury updates and then they don't really have, they have a a sort of a practice, but it's like a little bit lighter and you usually have all the information you have that week. So you can get a little lighter, you can get more personality in there. Um, you can, you can be just a little bit looser, right? That's just standard, um, on last, uh, interview of the week interviews across the league. Ron Rivera used to actually come in to, um, the media room in Carolina and sit down 
at a little round table and just just talk to us for like an hour. And we called him his Ron's fireside chats. But it's like that's that's the last an hour. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I could go on forever, but I won't. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things, a lot of layers to that. But, um, you know, it, it was really like, it's really informal, um, even when it's on Zoom, which sucks for everyone, but it's a lot more informal. So, okay. So this week I was like, I told the media contingent, I was like, guys, we've been just asked. I know we've been asking him every day this week, like, is Jared starting? And we've been just, we've been asking him straightforward. We've been trying to like kind of jokingly bait him into saying it. I'm just going to try to throw him at the very end. And everyone was like, okay. So at the very end of the Zoom, and you guys can go back and watch this and it kills me. You can go back and watch this at Rams.com. They post all the all the interviews for better or for worse. And I said, Sean, blink twice if Jared's starting for you on on Saturday. <laughs> and he and he didn't hear me the first time. He goes, What? Because uh, by the way, outs we are outdoors and they're indoors and our internet fails like 60 times a day out there. He didn't hear me. And so he said, What? And I said, Sean, blink twice if Jared's going to start for you on Saturday. And he leaned into the camera. And he opened his eyes as wide as they could go, and he didn't blink. <laughs> so, guys, technically, he actually didn't lie. He did. Yeah, no, he, he gave you the answer. <laughs> he actually so. told me, and I just was such an idiot. Like, right. I, I was like, oh, we're all joking. That's He's not being serious. And he, like, oh, man. It's that like, guy's It's like too all smart. the president's men where it was like, what was it? If it hang up, if the answer is, uh, is yes or whatever, Ugh. and then they got their wires crossed and – so, I gotta, yeah, I gotta wake, start waking up earlier. This dude's too smart for me. Yeah, yeah. So, well, <laughs> I'm, I'll look forward to seeing what your strategy, uh, what your strategy is this week. I know, I know, you'll be coming up with something fun. Well, we'll that, that'll make it must-watch uh, press conference to, to see what Jordan's uh, mental trick is. But, what a joy! Uh, what a joy! Yeah, yeah. but Jordan, we, we shouldn't. Uh, I, I know you. You mentioned bringing this up. We we got a little. We got a little intense here, right, with some of our discussions. But uh, how about our how about our friend Matt Gay? Aww. We 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 should not certainly should not end the podcast without. Uh, I, I feel like we're we're kind of coming full circle with all this this kicker talk. I mean, this guy. I mean, I, I tweeted during the game. I mean, who who would have guessed? a couple months ago that you could, you know, kind of reasonably say that Matt Gay now is one of the the MVPs of this Rams team. Matty Slice, because he slices it through the uprights. <laughs> yeah, I like no, it. I mean, it's great. 30 points, 30 points. I think, I think I got that right. 30 points, maybe 31, 30 points in the last uh, three weeks for the Rams. A lot, yeah. A lot of points, yeah. And he... This is the thing. I mean, they're not putting him in in positions where he won't be successful. Too, they're they're getting right. the ball downfield when they need to. Yeah, you'd you'd have less points if they actually had scored those red zone touchdowns in the two previous weeks. But Matt Gay is doing his job. He's doing what he needs to do. Um, he he's going to get tendered by the team. I'm you know that he's he's going to be their kicker. I mean, the Rams have found their kicker, and I think that's um, it. Took you know sixteen weeks to actually be decisive on that. And Johnny Hecker and Jake McQuaid, they went out and found this guy. They did the work. They, they did the film study and they actually found him um, and, and brought him over and he's really worked out for them. And I think that's something really good because it's, it's at least solidifying one data point in a very wobbly board on special teams. And I don't know what's going to happen. They might, they might try to pivot again um, in the off season with this special teams unit and, and get some new direction. What I think, um, you know, I've broached a couple of times is I think it would maybe be really beneficial to them to get a former special teams player as an assistant coach 
on this unit. I think that um, there's a couple of really talented assistants already working on this unit that maybe could use a promotion. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of potential there. As you see, there's a lot of potential Samson Ebucom and Micah Kaiser tag teamed on that force fumble and recovery. And that was really an impressive play. Micah Kaiser battling back from that knee injury. I mean, good for yeah. him and good for Samson Ebucam, who, um, has been a little inconsistent, but has showed up in the latter part of the season when he needs to. And, and Matt Gay has been great. And, and so whatever that direction takes, there's some young talent in this coaching staff that I think could add some great ideas and really get a buy-in going for consistency with these players. And, and I think it's, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of questions about this particular phase of the Rams, um, of the Rams operation, but not a kicker where Matt Gay has the job. Yeah, yeah, that's uh and and people by the way, I mean people have asked questions about Johnny Hecker too and and I don't know like again that there's I I try not to go into areas that I really 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 have no knowledge of. I mean, I I know I, I probably do that a lot with some areas that I only have limited knowledge of, but I really don't know anything about punting. I don't have the first idea of anything about punting. Um so people have asked questions about, "Hey, you know, why is it not looked uh, quite as well or, or whatever. So, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a fair question. And uh, again, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how some of this um, is, is addressed, addressed in the off season, but I really like your idea, Jordan. And, and I think it's, uh, I think it's sharp. I think it's something that uh, is, is worth looking at. So. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is with Johnny Hecker because I am not uh, punting for me is something that I still, it's such a, yeah. it's actually a surprisingly such a complex thing that right. has a lot of nuance to it. So that's something that I'm still learning about. But trust me when I tell you, like, just because I'm not tweeting about it doesn't mean I'm not trying to figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'm just, working on it, guys. It just <laughs> means we don't have the answers right yeah. now. And, and uh, Jordan doesn't. So it's not uh, It's not for a lack of caring or a lack of uh, being inquisitive about yes, it. Yes, but kinda... thank you for all your tweets and all your questions. Anyway. Yes, they are, they are much yes. appreciated. Um, so Jordan, yeah. So here we go. I mean, again, it, 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 uh, yeah. Rich. Yes. This is like, this is a big moment for me. Okay. This is my first, it, what is this? Divisional round. Mm -hmm. See, I didn't even, I didn't even readily have the name for it. (laughs) You don't even know what it's called when they play in the second weekend. I'm usually covering a coaching search at this time. Right. Or some, some, uh, some personnel changes or a, um, team sale and ownership scandal. So, <laughs> or a GM search. So, right. um, or, or, or a combination of their, or own. a combination of yeah. all of those. Um, this is my first divisional round that I've covered. And remember, I actually covered the Rams in the Super Bowl, by the way. I don't know if a lot of people know that. I did a big spread feature on Todd Gurley because, um, I, I did it for the, the mm. newspaper I worked for at the time. Um, the paper chain owned all of the newspapers in Eastern North Carolina, where Todd Gurley is from. So I went out and I spent a week out in Tarboro and wrote this big, this big feature on him and then went to the Super Bowl to, um, finish the piece basically. And, um, so I, I, I've covered a Super Bowl and I've covered a wild card, um, loss that the Panthers lost. I have not covered everything in between. 
So this is exciting for me. And I wrote in my <laughs> column, I'm just like, I'm so happy to be here. Like, this is just really exciting for me. And I'm just so fortunate yeah. for everybody who's listened to us and read my columns and and read Rich and I on Twitter and enjoyed our, our banter and our debate and our terrible puns. And um, it's just been a real joy for me. Yeah, well, it's been a joy to to read uh, all of your, your content as well. And, and it is that it just everything picks up. I mean, we say it we say it often, you know, it's, it's not a matter of being a fan of the team or cheering for anybody, but look, I, I, you know, I can say the same thing. I'm sure you'd agree. Like these are the moments that, that we, that we, that we enjoy. I mean, this is why we, we do this sort of thing. It's, it's not to cover, you know, day nine of training camp where you're just kind of, just kind of slogging along. It, it's these big moments and these big games that, that you really kind of, kind of live for and, and work for. So I'm excited that you have the opportunity to, uh, to do that. And uh, I know it's going to be a great week of coverage um, on The Athletic. And of course, as Jordan said to start, please do follow along with Jordan at Jordan Rodrigue on Twitter, Jordan with a U, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E. And she will have you covered every day. And we thank all of our subscribers. And of course, if you're not already on board, Jordan, is, is there any way... Do you know of any way that that people could join our join the athletic and, and read our coverage if they're not already? You know what? Someone um I think has turned this into a drinking game, so I'm happy to pro- <laughs> I'm happy to provide you with your first shot of the day. If you subscribe to the athletic via the 11 personnel podcast, you get an awesome discount. I love a good discount. I love a good deal. Every time you subscribe to the athletic through our podcast page, at theathletic.com, you can get a discount on your subscription. And we we read everything. I'm actually was just scrolling through um, right now as we speak a couple of new reviews that we have. And oh. they're really making my heart really happy. And I'm going to start to get really emotional and corny. So I will not get into it. But you guys are seriously the best. We love doing this podcast for you. We're excited. We've got We've had two really exciting ones to start the new year with. So let's keep this streak alive. And thank you guys so much for listening, for following along. And we'll catch you next week. Whatever happens in the playoffs, we're here for you.